You're listening to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Aaron Klein. Certainly we recognize that as we come together this morning, uh, as you know, we're celebrating today as what you might consider the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, before we move into our Christmas Eve services this evening. So as we come together today, as we pick up this fourth piece uh, of Advent, this fourth week, we're going to be talking about what does it mean that Jesus Christ is our Prince of Peace. But because we know that as we turn to God's Word, you don't need to hear a word from me. Ultimately, you need to hear a word from God this morning. And so I would invite you uh, to join me in prayer that, and just ask God would prepare our hearts and our minds to receive what he has for us. So would you pray with me? Lord, we do give you thanks that you call us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. That you call us together as one body, often meeting in two different services. Yet this morning we get to gather together as one body. Yet we also recognize that so many people that are called this church home are traveling this week as well. And we ask for your safe journeys, mercies, and protection to be upon them. May this be a time of sweet celebration with family. May it be a time where they are mindful of the fact that you are that Prince of Peace. And God, as we spend time in your word together this morning, for anyone here who needs to be reminded that you are indeed that prince who brings everlasting peace, Lord Jesus, would you reveal that to us this morning? Lord, through your Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that we may see you and hear you and know you more deeply in this place. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Last year, our family had an opportunity to watch the movie, I Heard the Bells. It tells the story of uh, poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. If you're familiar with his story at all, his story is one of great tragedy. He lost his first wife and his first child to a miscarriage. He lost his second wife to a fire, and he nearly lost his, his son in the Civil War, first to a fever, and then later on to a gunshot wound. This man was so wounded in his life that at one point he wrote that he believed that he would find himself in an asylum. So it is no wonder that he wrote these words that were later on put to music. What did he say? And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. How many of you perhaps feel that way this morning? How many of you feel as you look at your life that you do not sense peace, that instead it feels like peace is mocking you? You feel like you are running everywhere, trying to please everyone. You are spending far more than you intended this season. You are spending time with family, and as sweet as that time is, you also recognize the hardship that can come with us. Every year, I probably say that this is going to be the year that's different. That this is going to be the year where I don't have any of those strange heart palpitations because of the stress. 
And yet every year around this time, things seem to be the same. And my guess is that that is probably the case for many of us. When you look at your life, do you feel peace right now? When you look at this Christmas season, do you feel peace on earth, goodwill towards men? My guess is that many of us don't. In fact, this is borne out by studies. According to the American or Mental Health America, they do a survey every year and they study. This happens to be one of the highest times of anxiety that people face throughout the year for exactly the same reasons that I mentioned just a moment ago. According, because of failing finances, because of missing a loved one, because of having too much to do. All of these things rise to the top of the list. And then you look at the world that we live in, and you look at places like Israel, you look at places like Ukraine, you look at places like Sudan, and it makes you understand that we live in a world that is crying out for peace. And we wonder, is peace even attainable? By the way, what does the word peace mean anyway? See, when, when you watch a beauty pageant, right? And they ask, what is it you wish for? And what's the stock answer? I wish for world peace, right? Every year when I ask Nicole what she wants for her birthday, she says, peace, world peace, right? And I'm like, come on, baby, you got to want something more than that, right? But we recognize that, right? Like, people say these things, and they want peace. But what is peace anyway? Peace can mean different things to different people. I mean, is peace really just the absence of war? Is peace really just the absence of conflict? Does peace happen when we just get along and when we just sing a song? You know, is peace an inner feeling? Is peace the kind of thing that you have when you rock a baby and you feel that sense of peace? See, peace means different things to different people based on the situation. So I wonder, what does the Bible have to say about what peace really is and where peace really comes from. See, each and every week of this sermon series, if you haven't been with us, we've been walking through Isaiah chapter 9, and we've been looking together at verse 6 and 7, and we've been trying to draw out what does it mean when it says that Jesus Christ is going to be this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, and today, as we will be studying together, that he is the Prince of Peace. If you saw Jesus as your prince of peace, what difference might that make in your life? And so this morning, if you've brought your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be reading together verses 6 and 7. Of course, you're going to be able to follow along with me on the screen behind or take out that app, allow the light of God's Word to shine on you this morning. But hear now the reading of God's Word. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, as we've been doing each and every week, we've given you at least a little bit of an original language word study so that we better understand what is it that we are reading together. And when we see this word, Prince of Peace, it's these two words that are joined together. And the first word that you'll see is the word Sar. Right? And the word Sar can certainly mean prince, but it can also mean chieftain, it can mean chief, it can re- mean ruler or official or captain. And what it's trying to communicate is that this person who is going to come is going to be one who is going to rule over the nations as a prince or a king would rule over the people. The second word is the word Shalom. Now, shalom is a word that appears over 200 times in the Bible. And what's so beautiful about this word is oftentimes we think of it today as really just being a greeting, right? So I greet you, peace be with you. We say things like shalom. But I want us to understand it is far more than just a simple greeting. And it means far more than just the absence of hostility. The word itself is a picture of health and of wholeness. It carries with it an idea of harmony and of completeness. To have shalom is to be fulfilled in every single way. Now, the word shalom is not used in the creation story. Yet, when you look at the perfection of the garden before sin came into the world, you have a sense of what that shalom would have looked like. This perfection, this wholeness that they would have experienced there in the garden. And by the way, this same shalom is what we will experience in that second advent when Jesus comes again and establishes a new kingdom in heaven and on earth. The first time that the word shalom is used is in Genesis chapter 15 when God makes a covenant with Abram and he tells Abram that he is going to be at peace and is going to rest with his ancestors at a very old age. But the first time that we see it referenced as the God of peace comes in Judges chapter 6. This is a story that involves Gideon. And as we know, in that season, the Midianites are on the rise once again. And they come down and they plunder the crops, they plunder the cattle, they plunder the donkeys and the sheep. And so you have the people of Israel, they're living off in the mountains. They're living off in caves and in strongholds. And you have Gideon, normally who would be threshing wheat on a hilltop where the wind could blow the chaff away, but instead Instead, Gideon is kind of holed up down in a wine press because of fear and what happens. An angel of the Lord appears to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go and save Israel in the strength that you have. And Gideon is like, uh, You got the wrong guy. 
Like, I am the weakest of my clan. I am not the strongest person. Like, you need to give me a sign. And so a sign is given, and then you come to verses 22 to 24, and notice what it says. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and there called it, the Lord is peace. He called it, Jehovah Shalom. Notice, God was calling Gideon to war. So it wasn't like he was saying peace is the absence of conflict. What he was saying is, you are going to experience my peace in the midst of the conflict. And this is what we're going to be talking about together today. So let's look a little bit more deeply at what this kind of peace, this shalom that God is going to bring us. What does this look like? Well, notice what Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26 say. God gives this blessing to Moses, who's giving it to the people. We hear it often as the ironic blessing. And what does it say? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Notice that God's peace is caught up in all of his blessings and keepings. It's caught up in God's gracious care. It's caught up in God's face looking upon them. I want you to understand how much more this is than just the absence of conflict. See on other places as well. In Isaiah Chapter 32, verses 16 to 20, notice what it says. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness lives in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My peace, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Though hail flattens the forest and the city is leveled completely, how blessed you will be, sowing your seed by every stream and letting your cattle and donkeys range free. I want us to understand this is the kind of peace that Jesus Christ brings. The kind of peace that you and I will experience in that second advent when the lion and the lamb will lie down together. It is not just a place without war. It is a very state of being. It is a state that is not based on our circumstances. It is based on what is beyond our circumstances. It's not about simply not arguing with your spouse and getting along. It's not about having enough money in the bank. It is not about having a home that is safe and secure. It is about having the only kind of peace that God can bring us in Jesus Christ. I remember a number of years ago when we had lived in Pennsylvania, our, 
our health insurance company uh, had this thing that they said, well, you know, you can sign up for what's known as heart math. And what they do is they send you this machine and you plug this machine and you put it on your finger and then it gives you breathing exercises and you listen to music and you breathe in a certain way and when all the lights on this little machine light up, it means that you are not experiencing as much stress in the moment. And then once a month, somebody would call you and it felt very new agey to me. And, and they would talk about how we're experiencing more peace, you know? And you're like, you suddenly realize just because you're listening to like this music and just because like lights are lit up on this machine does not mean that you are actually experiencing peace, right? You and I understand that because we have all had moments when things are going perfectly in our lives, and yet you still don't feel at peace. And then you have those other seasons in your life when everything is going bananas. And somehow, in the midst of all of that, you still sense peace. See, it's because you have a peace that is not based in your circumstances. It is a peace that is only available in Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Listen to what the angel says in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, what Jesus says. He gets up in the middle of the synagogue and he reads the scroll. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then you get to verse 21, and he says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is why Paul says in Philippians 4, 17, And the peace of of God, which transcends, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, when you have a peace in your life, when it doesn't make sense, this is the peace that only a relationship with Jesus Christ can bring. And when you understand Jesus came, to bind up the brokenhearted. He came to bring healing to our hearts. Jesus is the one who gives us that peace that passes all understanding. So what's the representation of God's peace? How do you and I experience that peace? I believe that there is a vertical dimension to this, there is an inner dimension to this, and then there is a horizontal dimension to this. And I'm going to tell you, you can't experience the inward, and you can't experience the outward until you first experience and know the vertical. All right? Listen, Jesus is the Prince of Peace because he has bought us peace with God. This is the ultimate expression of this vertical peace. 
Now, I get it. Some of you are like, my life is so stressed out right now. I've got so many things going on. How does this peace help me to experience more peace inwardly and more peace outwardly in this world in which I live? I want us to understand you can't experience inner peace. You can't experience peace with others until you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. On the night that the angels pronounced to the shepherds, notice what it says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. See, when Jesus was born and when he took on human flesh and bone, the peace that he brought us was a peace that reconciles us to God. You may not think of us as being at war with God. But that's exactly what sin does. Sin creates enmity between us and God. It is sin that separates us from God. But God did something about it. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to make a way so that we can experience this peace with God. And ultimately, that's what we want you to unwrap this Christmas season, is the hope, the joy, the life, the peace that we have with Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians 1, 19 to 22, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making what? Peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Notice what Romans 5.1 says. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand, beloved people, you and I don't deserve to have this peace on earth to whom God's favor rests. What we actually deserve, being at war with God, is eternal death and eternal separation from God. But because of God's great love for us, he made a way for us to be at peace with him. And what we have to do is recognize that sin that, that just is at war within us. And we need to run from it. We need to flee from it. It's called repenting and say, I don't want that anymore. Instead, I want to run towards Jesus, who is the only one who makes a way for me to have access to God. That is how I experience peace. And when you and I have this vertical peace with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, what then do we get to experience? We have the peace 
of God. Get this, right? Peace with God leads to the peace of God. And you get this internal peace that, that cannot be taken away. It's only when we fully understand this vertical relationship that this inward feeling that we have is beyond human explanation. Shortly before Jesus dies, what does he say in John chapter 14, 27? He says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace that Jesus Christ gives us is the peace that we have through the Holy Spirit. And when you and I have that peace in our lives, it allows us to experience peace no matter what situation it is that, that we are going through. You know, I, I was reminded of that. You know, I, I can't tell you, as I was saying a little while ago, about as a minister, the joys and the sorrows of, of being able to walk beside people. And, and walk beside people who have been diagnosed with cancer. Or when they're told that they have MS. Or when they're told that they have ALS. I, I think of our, our dear brother Lane, right, who went home to be with the Lord that, day, that, that night when, when the doctor came in and told him, brother, you got, you got a couple days left. And I was mindful of the fact that the doctor is proclaiming bad news to him. But you know what his first words were? I know that I am going to be with Jesus because Jesus is my Savior. And then he begins to proclaim that hope to this doctor, right? So the doctor gives him bad news. What does he proclaim? Good news. That's the only way you and I experience peace. And that's what I'm saying. I have seen more people go through more trials, but when they have the peace of Jesus Christ in their hearts because they know they are at peace with God, it allows them to face anything. And they're able to even do it with joy. This is the kind of peace that I believe that God is calling us to have. You are not going to be able to experience this peace by, by going to a drugstore and buying some relaxation medicine, right? You know, you, you can talk to all the counselors in the world. You can go and get the rest that you need. You can go on all these vacations thinking, if I just get a little bit of R&R, &R, then I'm going to experience more peace in my life. But what we find so often is none of those things do it because we're forgetting or we're missing out on the fact that true inner peace comes when we are at peace with God through Jesus Christ. You can't buy it. This peace is not an emotion. It's not something that's just based in our circumstances. It's based in Jesus. And, and I want you to understand this. This Prince of Peace will then allow us to live at peace with others. The, the vertical peace that leads to this inward peace then leads us to have this peace with others. 
And I want us to know it's more than just kind of bringing families together, right? It's more than just bringing people together. It's more than just bringing, you know, uh, people in your neighborhood together. You know, Israel and Hamas can sign a peace treaty. You know, in, in Ukraine and Russia, they can sign a, a peace treaty. You may be at war with your family right now, and you may be calling a truce for the moment, but you know all it takes is the next escalation. And then the peace treaties get ripped up, and you're at war with your family once again. We need to have a peace that is based in Christ in order to view others with that same peace of Christ. C.S. Lewis says this in his book, Mere Christianity, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. See, it is only through Jesus that you and I can experience a true and lasting peace. And here's what we recognize this true and lasting peace will only happen in that second advent when Jesus Christ comes again. But that doesn't mean that we can't be a people who are working towards that peace. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Interesting, Jesus does not call us peacekeepers. You just have to be keepers of the peace. He's saying you have to be peace. Makers. It's also a word that can be translated as peace workers. This is why it's the ministry of reconciliation. You got to work at it. And sometimes working at, at peace is hard. But we do it. And we need to show care as we do it. Scripture is clear that we are called to work for peace when we are experiencing conflict. Notice what Ephesians 4, 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Since it says to make every effort, it reminds us it's not always easy. And this is where it's especially important. We recognize for the world that may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this kind of peace is, is, would be nearly impossible for them to understand. But it doesn't mean we can't work for it. But boy, this is especially true for brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, you, you look around the world and you see the, the tragedy that, that Christians have sometimes inflicted on one another in the name of Christ? That is not living out the peace that Christ has called us to. And I recognize that for some of you, you're going to be gathering with family. Maybe you already have gathered. Maybe you're going to be gathering with family. And there may be moments where you are having conversations with other people and you're going to need to say, shut your mouth and speak peace. And when I say shut your mouth, you're talking about yourself. Right? Don't say that to somebody else, right? <laughs> okay, this is now a good time for this joke. Um, 
So a couple of weeks ago when I was having my heart episode, I had somebody come up to me. I said, you will never hear a pastor ever ask for this, ever, ever, ever. I asked Andrew to go and get me my little blue pill. <laughs> and I had people come up to me afterwards. I was like, I don't even remember that I said that. I'm so sorry, right? All right. <laughs> there will be moments when you will have to bite your tongue. If you want to be the person of peace where you will have to say in these moments, I want to be someone who is speaking peace. And, and, and there's going to be moments where it's hard. Somebody may have said something. Somebody may have done something. And, and especially if you're brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, it's to say, man, we have to work for peace here. And then if you're dealing with somebody who's not a, a follower of Jesus, then you show them that peace. You show them the peace of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe it's not just your immediate family. Maybe it's people that you work with or people that live around you. Maybe you do have to look at your own life and ask, am I the one who's causing strife? Am I the one who is not living at peace? Am I always seeing the negative in other people? Am I always the one who's got a critical spirit? Uh, and then, you know, maybe you work with people and you're always complaining about the person who's above you and the person who's below you, right? And, and maybe that, that impacts your attitude towards them and start to say, you know what, how can I show you the peace of Christ. Because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to have this peace with God. So how can I extend this peace with others? You might have to work for peace. And, and by the way, I mean, let's just get, let's, we're coming to the end of 2023. Let's get this out of the way and start right now. 2024 is going to be probably pretty crazy for this nation. Uh, this nation is polarized, and people are polarized. And you're going to hear people say, no matter which knucklehead gets elected, you're going you're to hear people say, this nation is doomed, right? You're just going to hear it all. You are going to have to seek to be a peacemaker. And to not be as divided as this world in which we live. And to start to say, you know what, I want to be a person that is fighting for peace, that is speaking for peace, and is seeking to be at peace with my neighbor who maybe wants to go to war with me because I'm on a different side. I'm telling you, be prepared even now to be a person who is working for peace. Peace with God and with Christ leads to peace with others. As I close. You know, you know we've been working our way through uh, Isaiah 9 and looking at verse 6, uh, but we've read verse 7 each and every week. And, and I want us to be mindful. Remember, what we've tried to say throughout this series, Advent is as much about looking behind, right, to this Savior who has come as much as it is looking ahead to this Savior who is going to return. What does verse 7 say again? It says that he's going to reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. 
that this Christ who has come, this Christ who is coming again is going to establish a peace that will be eternal. And this is when we will truly be able to experience peace on earth. This is when this prophecy will be fulfilled, when nations will beat their swords into plowshares, when men will no longer train for war, when the lion and the lamb will lay down together. But until that great and glorious day when the second advent of Jesus occurs and all of these glorious prophecies are fulfilled, we are to be the people who are seeking to speak peace and hope and the hope and the peace of Jesus Christ to everyone we meet. As, as we leave here today, maybe some of you will be back this evening and we'll be talking more about this gift of Jesus Christ. But for those of you who will be departing and going and spending time with family, my prayer for you is that you will open that gift of Jesus Christ so that you may experience peace with God, so that you may experience the peace of God in your life, and so that you may experience that peace with others. And that is what we need. That is what the world needs during this season. You know, at the beginning of the message, I shared with you from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, that, that poem. And I want you to understand, again, if you know his story, it really is only because he had peace with God through Jesus Christ that he was able to write how that poem concludes. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Beloved people, may that be our hope this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that there is a peace that comes from you and with you that is beyond all human comprehension, beyond all understanding. And Lord, maybe for someone here this morning who does not know what that means, I would pray that this is a day when they experience the peace that can only come with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe someone is here and they have never They've never said, God, I, I, I've never seen how I've been at war with you. I've never seen how, Lord, there's just this brokenness in my life that, that needs healing. And that by saying yes to Jesus, what Scripture tells us is that if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, if we confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, that, that we'll be saved. This is how we experience true peace. Lord, may that be so for those this morning who have never made that commitment. And for those, Lord, who are just experiencing, Lord, just an inner turmoil. Because they look at their life, they look at their circumstances, they look at their family, they look at their jobs, and everything would just seem to indicate that 
I just can't have peace. I, I would pray that this morning they would understand that because they are at peace with you through Christ, that they can experience peace in this world. And that, Lord, you will guide them through those moments, Lord, where they look forward with hope. Because, Lord, that's what keeps us pressing forward, keeps us pressing ahead. When we think of Jesus, who was asleep in a boat in the midst of a storm, when we think of Jesus in the garden, knowing he was going to go to his death, and yet he was saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, to have that kind of peace, that in the midst of the storm, to know that you are with us. Lord, may we grasp that. May we hold on to that. And Lord, may we seek to be peacemakers in this world where there is there's so much call for violence, so much call for hatred. God, may you call us to be those people of peace. And it's peace that is all made possible through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, and check out our other discussions and messages. To learn more about Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's worship services, ministries, and events, visit us online at warsawpresby.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again for joining us, and have a blessed day.